Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Psalm 119 while you're holding your place there. We're going to be in a couple of passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, this morning, as you think about the world in which we are living in, um, it is no shock that as the world continues to be swayed, that there are many people you come in contact with that, that are hopeless. They feel as though there's nowhere to turn. They're, they feel as though there's nothing to do. They, they, they can't find peace anywhere. And one of the saddest realities within the, the world in which we're living is that there are many Christians who are also living as though they don't have any hope. And as you walk through the Word of God, you find in, in many passages of Scripture this subject matter of hope being dealt with. And I ask you this morning, where do you find your hope? You consider that question and you, as you think about that. Where do you find your Where do you turn whenever you say, I'm in my darkest place? I need an answer. I need some guidance. I need some help. Where do you turn? Where's your hope found? As you study the life of Job, you'll find that, that Job went through a, a difficult time in life. As you study the life of Paul, you'll find that Paul went through some difficulties. As you study David, you'll find that David had some valleys and he had some hills and he had some mountaintops and he had some valley times and the hardest days of his life. Where did he turn? As you study through Scripture, you'll find that there are a lot of people, as you study this subject, where did they find their hope at? Obviously, our, our answer must rest in one thing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where our hope is found as you consider the source being the Lord and He has a word for us. Where do you turn in those dark seasons whenever you're looking for hope? In the life of Job, Job, as he was considering this subject matter of hope, he even asked the question, where is my hope? Chapter number 17, where is my hope? If you were, if you were Job or if I were Job, I believe we would have quit, wouldn't we? We'd have said, all right, this is too much. I mean, our, our family, we're losing people. My friends are accusing me of things. Where is my hope in all of this? As you consider the subject matter of hope, you come to realize a couple of things about the subject matter of hope itself or the word hope. You see, hope, if you were to think about hope in a practical way, some of you this morning love fishing. Hope gives the, the fishermen that, 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 that reality or that the, drives the fishermen rather to fish all day, hoping that they will catch something. Hope is something that motivates the athlete to push himself in training, hoping to become the best of the best. Hope is something that motivated Thomas Edison. It inspires the, the patient afflicted with disease to get medical help. It, it, gives a, uh, it causes people to take risks or make sacrifices to gain what they desire because they have hope that something will take place. You see, as you ask the question, what does hope actually mean? Hope is defined as a wish for something with expectation, a, a desired accompanied with confident expectation, a happy anticipation of good. Go with me for just a moment to the book of Philippians, holding your place in Psalm. Holding your place there, go with me to the book of Philippians, and you find in the book of Philippians that Paul, as is, he's is, is writing to the church of Philippi, he addresses this, and we see this, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. I love what is taking place here. He says in verse number 20, according to my earnest expectation. So in verse number 20, faith is being lived out, and it's being seen, it's evident here, and he says, according to my, he's making this person, hey, not so-and-so's, my expectation. 
You see, one of the, the dangers in the Christian life is there are far too many Christians that are living their Christianity or living their lives based on another person. No, 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 no. What are you doing? What do you believe? How are you living your life as a child of God? What are you doing with the life that you have been given? He says, according to my earnest expectation, that, that statement, expectation, speaks of the highest opinion, if you would. And here's those words, and my hope. The statement, my hope here, is speaking of confidence of God. It's speaking of a godly anticipation, if you would. That in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. We could study the life of Daniel this morning. We could study Paul. We could study Ezra. We could study Nehemiah. We could study Joshua. We could study Joseph. In all of their lives, you find that their hope was not placed in their circumstances. You see, we're living in a, a society today where there are many people who are, who are basing their hope on their good works. They're, they're basing their hope on their wealth. If, if they can accumulate so much or if they can get in good standing with certain people or this or this or this. Can I share with you, if you've come to the house of God and your hope for eternity and everything else is based on anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, you've misplaced it. You've misplaced it. As a 16-year-old young man at a church camp, I remember that in that season of my life, I was basing my hope in that, hey, I've got everybody fooled, and I'm a pretty good teenager. And so all of a sudden, the Word of God began to knock down all those walls. He said, no, that's not going to work. Nope, that's not going to suffice. Nope, that doesn't mean anything. You called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith, have you placed your hope and eternity in the Lord Jesus Christ? And as you come to now the reality of it, if you are a child of God this morning, where is your hope? Where is your hope? Job was asking that question in Job 17. Where is my hope? Paul in Philippians and my hope, that godly anticipation. Come with me, if you would, for just a few moments to Psalm 119. Because as you find this to be true within your own life, there are times whenever we go through difficult seasons, and I cannot shake this passage of Scripture. We were here a couple of months ago on a Wednesday evening, and we've glanced over it a couple of times and looked at some of these things in Psalm 119. If you've been with us, and some of you are serving uh, down in the gymnasium or in the nursery, or you're not able to make it sometimes on Wednesdays, and we've been walking through the book of Psalms, and we've come through Psalm 119 recently. But as you come to Psalm 119, verse number 89, notice what the Bible says, because we find so much truth here. And the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me. I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Oh, how I love thy law. 
Verse number 97, it is my meditation all the day. Continues on. Starts off in verse number 89, and as you read verse number 89 on down, we could continue reading even after Psalm 119, verse 97, but as you continue reading verse 89 to verse 96, you see hope being revealed all throughout this psalm here. Notice these statements right here for just a moment. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in I have hope in the, the fact that the word of God is truth, and it will never fail me. As he goes on, he says in verse number 90, Thy faithfulness is in all generations. He has hope that, hey, if the word of God is true and it says that it is going to be faithful to all generations, then he can take great hope and that it will not fail him. Generation to generation, he has hope. As you continue on reading verse 91, They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for they are all thy servants, unless thy law had been my delight. There's hope right there again. Verse number 91, as you continue reading, or 92, I should have then perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. There's again hope. All throughout these verses you find that the psalmist, no matter what he was facing, no matter what he was going through, he found hope in the true, simple fact that the word of God was always going to prevail. Where do you turn whenever you are feeling as though you're hopeless? Sometimes you'll turn to your wealth and say, well, it could be worse. I have. The, no, 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 no. That wealth will fade. You say, well, I, you know, I've got, I've got good family and I've got this or that. That's wonderful. But your family can only provide so much. You say, well, I've got a steady job and the income is coming in. Hey, that job could be ripped away just like that. And all of a sudden, you're at the end of everything and you're saying, uh, where'd my hope go? The psalmist as you continue walking through the book of Psalms, you'll find all the way in this book that there is hope that is revealed because the psalmist always turns back to the one strong source, which is the Lord himself. In each of the Psalms, you go all the way from Psalm 1 all the way to the end of the book of Psalms, and you'll find in each of the Psalms, they always go back to the Lord. Psalm 1 is where we were this past Wednesday evening with the young people, and we were discussing the situation that is unfolding in Psalm 1 because it begins to give a picture of two individuals. The individual that is going to be a righteous individual that is walking with the Lord, that is not standing with the wrong people, nor sitting with the wrong people. And then you begin to see the side of the perspective of the wicked and what things they will begin to do. And at the end of the day, every single one of us has a decision of how we're going to live our lives. Every day you wake up, you get to make the decision, am I going to live for the Lord and be all in all for Him, or am I going to live the way I want to live and do the things I want to do? And there comes a breaking point for everyone, for every single one of us. Through conversations, you will find, just yesterday I was having a conversation with an individual, and they were talking, and we were just kind of uh, talking back and forth to, with each other. And in the conversation, they made the statement that they began to realize that their way was not working. And so they said they wanted to do God's way. Can I share with you, in our own way, we find ourselves hopeless every single day when we go to sleep. We wake up and we're asking, what is the reason for doing all this? What am I doing with my life? Where am I headed? What am I going to do about this? Where am I going to find comfort in this? Where am I going to find an answer to this? But when you do things God's way, all of a sudden you realize there is hope because it's found in the Lord himself. Notice in verse number 1, or verse number 89 for just a moment, this statement, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. 
If you've been here on some Wednesdays, you might hear some of the same things, but I want you to understand as you walk through this passage of Scripture here, you're going to find that if you're searching for answers right this very moment, your hope is found in the Word of God and the Lord Himself. If maybe you're visiting with us and you've never read through this passage of Scripture, and maybe you're searching for answers, maybe you're going through a situation, maybe you're wondering, what am I going to do? You'll find that hope is found in the Word of God and the Lord Himself. As you've come maybe to the house of God, or maybe you've been wrestling with this, but you know that you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and if you were to die right now, you would spend eternity in a place called hell. But you're wanting to get this solved. You're wanting to get this understood. You're wanting to get this figured out. Can I share with you? There's hope in this book, and its name is Jesus, and the gospel is presented. That is where you find hope. You don't find hope anywhere else. You find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a 16-year-old man, I remember as I was uh, weeping and begging and, and crying out, I understood in that moment that I had been trying to do things my own way, and I was hopeless and going to continue hopeless. And I'll tell you the peace that flooded my soul. The joy that overcome my entire body and my entire countenance and everything about my life was found when I found the Lord and I accepted him as my personal Savior and I realized that hope was found in his word and it was found in him alone. So that might be where you are this morning. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. But notice four things about this psalm right here that you can rest assured and find hope in. Number one, you find there to be hope because the word of God provides stability. It provides stability. Can I share with you that you might have the nicest car in the parking lot at the church this morning, but there will come a day when it fails on you. There will come a day when the battery dies. There will come a day whenever you have to get a new vehicle because it's just run out of all the energy and all of the, the, the gas it could ever give you. It can't go on any longer. Pulled into the Publix over by our house just the other day, and as I was walking, there was a gentleman who was standing out there by his truck, and he was standing up against his truck, and his truck was a, a, a 2000 Ford F-150, and it had died on him, and he was, he was just standing there. He was waiting for someone to come and pick him up. And I was reminded right then and there that stability is not found in materialistic things not found in the answers we think we can find for the problems that we face. Because our own human reasoning sometimes doesn't add up. Our own, our own, as we begin to navigate through life, when we try to do this or to do that, as we try to think of, of the solution here, we try to figure out if this will work or that will work, sometimes it just doesn't. Sometimes we're going through and we think we just need this job and it will solve all the problems we have only realized that it brought more problems to us. The burden got heavy. I went to school with a gentleman in Indiana, and just the other day he had a memory that popped up on his social media account, and he shared it, and he had been working somewhere for so long, and he was thinking that this new job was going to be his big break, only to realize that it really was not. He thought it was going to solve all the problems that he had been facing. Can I share with you, there are times when in every single one of our lives where we wake up one day and we begin to realize we're struggling. Uh, th that season of life that you're going through, it just is, it feels as though you're in a rut, if you would. It feels as though you, you're just trying to make more and more progress, but you're not moving. It's as though you've jumped in mud and you're trying to swim. 
And you just can't do it. And so you're trying to provide answers. You're trying to find solutions. You're trying to find hope in all of these things. You find yourself in a, a difficult situation, and so you make a phone call, and on the other end of that phone call, they give you some what you would think is hope, only for another call to be brought to you a couple of days later, and you realize that it was a false sense of hope. Can I share with you, there's never been a time in my life whenever I was looking for answers and whenever I was needing comfort and whenever I was needing guidance where I ran to the Word of God and I got a false sense of hope. It's always provided everything that I've ever needed every single season of my life. The stability of God's word is found here. As you think about all throughout scripture and all throughout history as a whole, there have been people who have tried to burn the word of God and discredit the word of God and get rid of the word of God. But the word of God still prevails. Why? Because it's the word of God. Hey, we we were talking about in our Sunday school class and we sing these things. And my God is so great, so strong and so mighty. Look, there really truly is nothing in comparison to our God. There's not a problem that will ever be presented. There's not a situation. There's not uh, an argument that will ever be brought up that can discredit everything the Lord has done for you and for I. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, verse 144, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Psalm 119, 160, thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You know why I love the simple truth that God's word provides stability? It's because there are people that will begin to be going through something, and they might even be a Christian, they might not, but they will begin to have a discussion with you about something, and you might meet them on the, the, the side of the street, or you might meet them somewhere, whatever the case might be. And you're having that conversation with them, and you ask them, hey, well, what do you think about this? Or you begin to present God's Word. Maybe it's a Christian. You say, hey, have you been digging through God's Word? And they make the statement, you know what? I just can't understand the Word of God. Now, I love that answer. Here's why. Because God's Word provides so much simplicity. Sometimes we're just in a too, too big of a rush to actually listen to it and read it for comprehension. You know why? Because we live in a I-want-it-right-now society. I've got a problem, fix it right now. I've got a situation, I need advice. I need an answer right now, I've got a deadline to meet, I've got all of these things, and we begin to go about it our way. But I love as though as you begin to break these things down and you begin to simplify what the Word of God actually says, and you read it slow, and you read it in, in, in a way where you're really wanting to understand, all of a sudden the countenance changes, and the person says, well, I guess that does make sense. Why? Because we've read it now with the true desire to actually hear a word from the Lord. It's the simplicity. The seriousness of God's word is found all throughout God's word as you continue to look. Notice what he says in verse number 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. That word forever speaks of the stability that we find in God's word. As you continue to walk through the word settled, it speaks of taking a firm, unflinching stand. What God's Word says is. It's not hope, though. It's not could be. It is. There are people that you will have conversations with, and they, if, if a preacher ever starts out and they say, this is what the Word of God says, but I think you're in deep, deep trouble right there. 
The Word of God says that, that we are commanded to go and to tell and to reach the gospel. But here's what I think. The Word of God says that you should not lust, but here's what I... No, 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 no. What does the Word of God say? Because the Word of God provides stability. It is and will always be. And so you're looking for hope, and you're looking for something that will provide hope. Number one, we see that hope is provided in the stability of God's Word. Number two, we see that hope is provided in the steadfastness of God's Word. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 90. Thy faithfulness. There it is. Thy faithfulness, unchanging is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day, according to thy ordinances, for all are thy servants. We have a lot of Joash Christians. You say, well, what is a Joash Christian? If you go and you look at that pastor of Scripture, and the Lord is continuing to reveal this to me more and more. I love this pastor of Scripture. Usually I will preach it to young people, but we've been here before as a church. The Bible tells us concerning the life of Joash that Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada. As you go and you study each of the kings, you'll find that their lives are defined by one way. They either did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord or they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And in the, concerning the, the life of Joash, Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada. Now you go and you study his life. The Bible tells us as you study the pastor's scripture in the Chronicles that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada. And there are two statements that are made. One statement says, day by day did he these things. And the other one goes on to remind us that year after year he was making sure that everything was being done the right way. You say, oh, that sounds great. That sounds wonderful. He was doing that which was right on the side of the Lord, and he was doing these things day by day and year by year. Step four, the word steadfastness speaks of something that doesn't change. Continuous. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 90, thy faithfulness is unto all generations. You know what that means? All generations. It doesn't mean some generations. It doesn't mean occasional generations. No, unto all generations. Thine ordinance is for all thy servants, unless... Thy law had been my delights. Verse number 91 as well. They continue this day. So, you go back to Joash for just a moment. You say it all sounds good, except for the fact when Jehoiada is no longer there. And all of a sudden it makes sense. You ever been reading a pastor of Scripture? And at the beginning of the story, the beginning of the pastor of Scripture, you say that's really weird how, they, how it's worded there. Only for you to get through the entire passage, you say, ah, now it makes sense. Here's why. The Bible tells us the beginning of the life of Joash, that he did that which is right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada. He did those things day by day. He did those things year by year. Jehoiada is now off the scene. And all that steadfastness, day by day and year by year, begins to shift. Because all of a sudden... Joash is serving the Lord day by day and year by year. Jehoiada is off the scene. Act like you're whispering in my ear for just a moment. Stand back a little bit. Act like you're whispering, just talking. He's listening to the enemies. He's giving ear to the enemy. Huh? That's weird. And so Joash, the Bible tells us, but all of a sudden, he gave ear to the enemy. He gave ear to the wrong influences, if you will. 
And those times whenever we said day by day and year by year, there was no more steadfastness. His steadfastness was determined as long as Jehoiada was on the scene. Here's the reality for many of us if we're not careful. Whether it be a person, whether it be circumstances, whether it be a career, whether it be a place, that is when we are steadfast. But as soon as that is taken away, as soon as that job is robbed from us, all of a sudden God's not good anymore. That doesn't make sense. You tell me that God was only good while you had that job? All of a sudden, there's, there's, there's something that takes place that just completely just rocks your world. And all of a sudden, you quit on God and you run the opposite direction. Why? Because you were placing your hope in the wrong thing. The Bible reminds us that our hope is not found in materialistic things and people and places and prosperity. But our hope is found in Jesus. That's where we place it. The song that Miss Kelly and I have sung before, and that is exactly what it is, is dealing with the life of Job. But there's a second verse, and it begins to talk about a man sitting in the office. And the doctor looks at him and says, you don't have much longer to live. There's nothing we can do. And the man looks at the doctor in the face and says, my hope is in the Lord. Can I share with you, where do you turn when you feel as though all hope is gone? Every time that I've ever come to a place in my life where I said, I don't know what to do, I've never turned to the Lord or His Word, and it's failed me. Every single time it's provided steadfastness. Every single time it's provided stability. Number three, we see this. Hope is found in the satisfaction of God's Word. You know what you ought to love about God's Word? Is that it doesn't sugarcoat. If you were meeting with a doctor and you were asking the doctor, hey, what do I need to do to get healthy? You want them to tell you the truth. You're, you're meeting with, a, with an individual that has the answers financially to provide for you to be able to get yourself steady back in your finances. You want them to tell you what you need to do. I love that when we run to God's word and maybe we're living in sin, maybe we're going through something that we need an answer or some direction on, and it might even sting a little bit. But the word of God don't sugarcoat it. The Lord calls sin, sin, and he calls truth, truth. That's where he lands. He calls the wicked, wicked. He calls the righteous, righteous. You don't have to guess what he is saying there. Notice what he goes on to say as you walk through verse number 92. He says, unless thy law had been my delights. There it is, though. The answer is provided in God's word. You'll find hope in God's word. But sometimes you might not delight in God's word because it might sting a little bit. But notice what the psalmist reminds us of. In verse number 92, he says, Unless thy law had been my delights, I should, have been, I, I should then have perished in mine affliction. The word perish speaks of to go astray, to be broken, if you would. If you go to, oh, man, there are a couple of passages of Scripture. But as you walk through the Psalms, you are familiar that David and the sin with Bathsheba. David recognizes what he has done. David does not blame anyone else. As a matter of fact, the psalmist reminds us that he knew the will of his father. He knew the ways of his father. He understood what was right. He understood what was wrong, yet he still chose to do wrong, and therefore he faced the consequences. Now he was acknowledging those things. He never once places blame on anyone else. Did it hurt? 
to come to the realization that I have sinned against God and God only. Absolutely. But was it necessary? 100%. You see, as you open the Word of God, there are going to be times whenever you open the Word of God and you know for a fact that you're living in sin or you know for a fact that something has to change and you just need the Lord to tell you. Can I illustrate it this way, the simplest way I can? You get a phone call. And the person on the other line says, hey, I need to tell you something. And for the next minute and a half, they're beating around the bush because they don't want to tell you because it might offend you, it might hurt you, they don't know how you're going to respond. And finally, you come to the place where you're just tired of the last one minute and a half listening to them ramble, and you tell them this, just tell me, right? You just want to know. Whether good or bad, I just need you to tell me. Can I share with you, that's exactly what the Word of God does. The Word of God doesn't beat around the bush. The Word of God gets right to the heart of the matter, if you would. As you begin to think about this, it was in great distress, difficulty, discouragement, despair, when he found joy in the Word. Having a conversation with a church member just the other day, giving a little insight and sharing a testimony about another individual he had been communicating with, and the individual had found themselves asking that question, I don't know what else to do. And in those times of our lives, we have to ask ourselves this question. Are we willing to finally give God a chance? Because oftentimes in our own lives, we want to do things in our own way how we want to do it. But there comes a time where you come to the end of yourself where you can no longer offer any what you think would be hope or solution. So you turn to the Lord. The psalmist here reminds us of this as he uses that word, delight. Unless thy law had been my delight. I remember growing up and playing basketball. I remember my off season in, in college where we would be practicing, and it would be a couple of months before the season would begin to start. And I hated the off season. Hated uh, not the off season per se, but the two months before we actually would kick into games and before we would actually be on the court practicing. Because we would always have a personal trainer that came in, and that personal trainer was really responsible for getting us in the best condition that we could have gotten in. And I remember, if you've ever been to Mount Moriah or, or Crown College or anything, you, you know that that hill is pretty, pretty violent. <laughs> and we would have sandbags, and we would have to do what we would call just basically squats that we were sitting on a chair, and we'd be like this right here. And there used to be called, I believe it was called an Indian run. Any of you know what an Indian run is? Or if you're in the back of the line, they're waiting for you to catch up to the front, and you just keep going and going and going. Well, we would do Indian squats with a sandbag. That's about 75 to 100 pounds sitting on two of our laps, and we would have to, we would have to hand that thing down. So either you are sitting there like this, and you're handing the bag, you're waiting for someone to get to the front, or you're just sitting there in your legs, and so we'd have to go up that hill and back down that hill. Except for the fact, it was miserable to start out with. But the longer you did it, as you got about halfway up, and now you're right here and you're passing, you're in the back of the line. You know, you're running, your runs were, you know, they were pretty, pretty steady, you're running up to the front. Except whenever you're about halfway up there, you'd always have a couple of teammates who they started out strong, but now their runs are like this. They're dragging their feet. And you're waiting on them. And then they get up there and they're saying, hold on, hold on just a second. Frustration would set in. 
all of a sudden we'd be bickering at each other. That's why you're the scrub on the team. That's why you don't get any playing time, you know. Come on, man. Wearing each other out. But it was necessary. All of the pain. I remember we'd be in the, the sand, uh, the, the volleyball pit. We'd be jumping in through the sand and jumping through the, the uh, tires and doing, I mean, just nonstop just for, for an hour and a half before school would even start. 5.30 in the morning, classes would start about 7.30, 7.45, We'd be over there 5.30 in the morning. And we hated it. But it was necessary. And sometimes we're going through things, and sometimes the Word of God reveals those things that, man, it stings. And you don't like it. But it's necessary. And it provides hope. Just as the doctor tells the individual that's got cancer, there is hope, but this is the steps we have to take. It's hard. It's not easy. But it's necessary. Number four, we see this and we close. We find hope in the stability of God's word. We find hope in the satisfaction of God's word. We find hope in the steadfastness of God's word. We find hope in the strength of God's word. Notice what he says in verse 93. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. That statement, quickened me, speaks of being revived, if you would. He goes on in verse number 494. Notice what he says. I am thine. Save me. For I have sought thy precepts. Verse number 95, the wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. Hope is found in the strength of God's word. You see, God's word never returns void. Every single time you open the word of God and you're finding that there is so much strength as it continues to build upon itself, and it reminds you just how strong this book is. For centuries, there have been people who have been trying to get the Word of God out of the public schools, out of private schools, out of the homes, out of society as a whole. Yet it still stands. Arguments have been made. Just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we took a group of young people to a youth rally. As the individual stood up and began to proclaim God's Word, he was defeating those who were scientists that used to be atheists, Blah, 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 blah. With science itself directly from the verses that are found in God's word. Why? Because it's too strong for any argument. You see, this morning, I close with this. As you have come to the house of God, you're looking for hope. Maybe you're struggling. You're searching for answers. Look, there's going to come a time when man will fail you if that's where your hope is placed. You say, the job that I have provides the stability and the strength that I need. It will fail you at some point in time. My family gives me it. No, 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 they will fail you as well, as wonderful as they may be. Your friends, they'll fail you. Society will fail you. The car you drive will fail you. The house you have will fail you. You're thinking, I have hope in all of these things. And sadly, they will fail you. The psalmist reminds us, as Job asked the question, where is thy hope? As Paul references that he has a godly anticipation that everything he was facing, that his hope was found not in his circumstances, but in God Almighty. This morning, I wonder, where is your hope? Where have you placed it? I believe we've been given some opportunity to replace it with the things of the world, with this book right here. But sadly, some of us, if we're not careful, are comfortable replacing God's word and the hope we find in it with all of the things of this world.
And there will come a day when they will fail you, and you'll ask the question, how did I get to this point? Lord, we do thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. Lord, hope. There's so many people in this world that are looking for hope. People on the streets, people in the schools, people in big office buildings, people in churches. Every season, every walk of life, people are looking for hope. Maybe we've misplaced our hope this morning. I pray that you would draw us unto yourself, remind us that our hope is found in you and you alone and in your word. And that we wouldn't rest in our own understandings or comprehension, but that we would run to you and ask that you would continue to reveal yourself in the hope we find in your book, the comfort we find. Be with this time of invitation. We'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.